This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Beautiful family, how you all doing? so much for coming out and joining us again. What a great presence of God. I mean, praise God. He's so good. Pastor Greg, good job, man. <laughs> that was so cool. But I just want to remind you, on the 29th of July, we have got our Serve Our City going again, and we're super excited about that because we want to make a difference in our community. So family, whatever it is that you think that you can do, get together with some friends. I mean, just you can just decide what that project is going to be. You can email welfare at cfcsa.co.za. You can put it through, and we'll let you know how we can assist you in any way at all. It's going to be amazing. So we're looking forward to that. More good news. Next week, Sunday night is going to be our community night where we just honor our leaders, our dream team, and just want to spend a bit of time with you. Have a bit of fun to relax after the service out there on the lawn. We're going to have our track sites and all of the jumping castles for the kids. It's going to be a great time. So I invite you to bring your friends, bring your family, and let's be here. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Can we just open in prayer? Father God, I want to just thank you As always, my God, I'm just so humbled by your amazing presence in this place. Lord Jesus, you said when two or more gathered, you are here in our midst, Lord God. And right now, Lord, we honor you. We thank you, Lord, that already you have touched hearts. Already you have made a difference, Lord. And I thank you, Lord God, for your word. Father, I know I can do nothing without you. I am nothing without you. But Holy Spirit, I know that you live on the inside of me. And so I give myself completely to you and ask that you would minister this word to our hearts, that you would heal people, that you would heal marriages, that you would bring relationships together. Thank you, Lord God, that you would speak through me words of life in the mighty name of Jesus, planted deep in our hearts. And thank you, Lord, that it'll bear fruit. And we give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor for all that is accomplished tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, everybody. Well, I just want to say a big thank you as always to Apostle Thea and Dr. Bev. It's such an honor to be able to stand behind this pulpit and, and give the word to you. And tonight's word is very exciting for me because it's something that's always on my heart. We are in part three of our series, and I really believe that this This message can help us in various different relationships and and communications that we are all in, but I'm going to be focusing it around marriage. There is such an attack on our marriages, family, that we really need to stand firm in our marriages. You know, my mom and dad, the year that he went home to be with the Lord, they were married for 70 years, 7-0, and he would say, I actually can't remember if I was born first or married first. (laughs) So the the title of my message tonight is Successful Communication in Marriage because actually a lack of communication is one of the main reasons that folks get divorced. And I would like for you to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. Such an interesting scripture, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, scripture we all know, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Amen? We're familiar with that scripture. But look what follows, family. The very next verse, it says this. It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. 
Isn't that interesting that those two verses go together, that the power of life and death are in the tongue? And let me tell you something that I have seen in marriages where folks have literally destroyed each other by what comes out of their mouths. I wanna give you a little bit of a, a case study today of this couple. They got married when they were pretty young. And I mean, this young man would just lose it with his bride. You know, he loved her, but he would just get so frustrated with her that, I mean, he had a tongue like a whip and what came out of his mouth would literally just completely destroy her. And after about three years of this, he had pretty much destroyed that marriage completely. And then the Lord intervened, and thank God this young man listened. Yes, he was born again. He was a jerk, but he was a sanctified jerk. <laughs> and he repented, and he changed. And that very mouth that destroyed that marriage brought healing to that relationship. So you know, family, when we, when we realize that communication is one of the most important parts of our relationship because you know what, it transcends every area of our lives. I mean, we're supposed to talk about our needs, our kids, our work, our church, our, our friendships, our home. We're supposed to talk about all of those things. And 86% of couples will tell you that they got divorced because they had poor communication. So a very firm foundation in our marriage is to have good communication with each other. So I wanna to begin tonight by giving us six reasons why we communicate, amen? And as I said, we can utilize these in other areas as well, but I'm gonna be focusing it towards marriage. Number one is normal communication, right? So we talk about, you know, how honey, I'm home, you know, what's for dinner, the kids are running on the roof again, you know, those kind of things. Second is partnership because we, we need to talk about the fact that we have certain needs that need to be discussed, certain areas of responsibility that need to be covered. Number three reason that we speak, that we speak is conflict resolution. Now conflict, let me tell you, it's inevitable that when you have people that are having a lot of contact with each other, there's gonna be conflict. And that's okay, as long as we resolve it. In actual fact, conflict in a relationship can be good if it is properly handled, right? We get to know each other better, understand each other better. Number four reason, let me just say, I'm gonna be covering a little bit more about conflict in a little while. But number four reason why we connect is, is connection. And this could be verbal or non-verbal. You know, this is kind of where I'm just looking for validation, where I'm looking for attention, affection, emotional connection, big deal to woman, right? And you know, family, it's, it, it could be, so many different ways. It's actually, they say, research has shown that when you have a couple that go out for a dinner, for example, that they connect on average 100 times during the course of that meal. Now, it could be a touch, a smile, a wink, just something, you know, private joke could be a word. Whatever it is, could be 100 times. And would you believe that now what has complicated this connection in this environment that we find ourselves in right now is social media, technology. 25% of couples fight about Facebook once a week. Can you believe that? One in seven people 
have said that they thought about getting divorced because of their spouse's activity on social media. So it really, you know, it's kind of like, I'm trying to connect with you, and you're connecting with the universe out there. You're talking to thousands of people, and I can't even get your attention right here in front of me. Number five reason why we communicate is, is personal information or revelation. You know, I want to tell you about myself. And this is really in marriage particularly where, where communication gets really good. It gets deep because it's where we start really knitting together, becoming one spirit, soul, and body. Because now we're talking about our deepest thoughts, our frustrations, our fears, our, our hurts, our dreams, our desires, all of those things. Those kind of things that men don't really like to talk about, just saying. Number six reason is intimate communication, right? Now, this is a prize communication in marriage. It's expressions of love and affirmation and dreams and desires, and it includes spiritual intimacy, right? That our spiritual lives, our relationship with God, and our praying together and our worshiping together and not just talking about on a Sunday, Spiritual intimacy is that deepest level of intimacy that there is in any married relationship. So those are the six reasons that we communicate. And all of these family need to be operating for our marriages to have healthy and effective communication. And when communication is working, it means that we can talk about all of these things. And we can get to all of these things effectively. But we need to realize this, that if any communication at any one of those levels is affected, right, it's going to affect every other level, or it's just going to break down completely, and that's dangerous. I want to go back to this area of needs, because I said number two reason that we communicate is partnership. And what happens is, is that, you know, when a couple get married, they have a certain expectation of meeting certain needs being met in each other. And let me say this up front, that my deepest needs only God can meet. And sometimes, you know, young couples kind of get a bit confused. There are certain things that your partner cannot do, but there are certain things that we need to be doing for each other. The problem is this, that the basic needs of a woman and the basic needs of a man is very different. And that's where the purple hits the fan, okay? I'm going to give you now four basic needs of a woman. And the first one is security. And by the way, I'm not talking about CMS, okay? I'm talking about that. I want to know things are good with us, okay? This is, now, there's nothing that makes a woman feel more secure than a, a selfless, sacrificial husband. Nothing that makes a woman feel more insecure than a man that's just detached and selfish. So a woman's mega need is... I want to feel secure. I want to know things are good with us. I want to know things are good in the home. Number two, need of a woman is open and honest communication. So when she says, where, where have you been? No way. Who did you see? No one. <laughs> You're giving her a headline. She wants you to cough it up. Right. <laughs> so number, I just want to say this. I didn't say want, okay? This is a need. Let's just put that out there. Number three is soft, non-sexual affection. That's what makes her feel secure, and it makes her feel special. Number four is leadership. 
Now, a woman doesn't want to be dominated. She wants to be treated as an equal, but she wants her husband to lovingly initiate the well-being of the children, of the home, of the intimacy, of the romance, of the spirituality of the home. So there's nothing that makes a woman feel more secure than to know that her husband is there for her, right? Making her feel secure when he's communicating with her openly and honestly, when he's giving her affection, and when he's taking her, his leadership position, that is what makes her life great because all her needs are met. Now, men are not that way. The number one need of a man is honor, or let me say respect, okay? Men have got very sensitive egos. In the words of a male psychologist, they're actually just big babies. Now, we as women, I mean, we say, like, you know, just get over it. You're just being a big baby, <laughs> right? Now, you know, that's justified. But family, we need to understand that really just a skiff look, one little word can actually hurt a man far deeply than we as women can even imagine. So the first one is honor. Number two is sex. Men are normally more sexual than their wives. Number three is friendship. Men just want to hang out with their wives. They want this beautiful lady on their arm doing stuff together that you enjoy. You know, and let me quote, I don't want another mother. I've got a mother. I want to be buddies with my wife. Right? And then number four is domestic support. So he would like his wife to be domestically centered. Now, I'm not talking about cleaning and scrubbing and all of those things. It's more that women have a gift of nesting that men actually don't have. Most of them are good at decorating, to create a great environment, to turn a house into a home. Now, from a male perspective, this is an environment that meets his needs of honor and sex and friendship and domestic support, and that makes him a happy man. Now, typically what happens when we get married, we start discussing all of these needs that we have, right? And so I look at this part and I think, you are weird because you're not normal like I am because our needs are different. <laughs> is that right? So in our case study, what happens is this, is this young man, when he grew up, he had two older brothers named Damien and Lucifer. No, I'm just kidding. He named them that <laughs> because they would bully him all the time, so that was what he said to them. Now, he grew up in this home where the father was not affectionate, the mother was not affectionate, and he had these two brothers that were violent. So when his young wife wanted him just to hold her, he kind of looked at her and said, you're just being weird. You don't need that. And he put her in a headlock. <laughs> she was being perfectly normal. I mean, it's normal for a woman to want to have closeness with her husband. And when he spoke about being, having, if she wanted honest and open communication with him, he looked at her and thought, she's just so nosy. I mean, like, she's just, what is it with her? I mean, every night he'd feel like he was coming home to this interrogation, you know, like, where did you go? Who did you see? Who did you speak to? What did they feel? What did they think? Where did they live? Who are their ancestors? He's like, she's the nosiest person I've come across in my whole life. He's like, now, you know, if you want to kill a monster, you don't feed it. You starve it. So I am not going to feed the nosy monster. So he would just sit there and he would say nothing. Girls, you know how that feels, right? So she was miserable, he was miserable, marriage was terrible. You know, they say that marriage is about becoming one. The question is, which one? <laughs> you know what I mean? 
So he, she wanted to change him to be normal like her, and he wanted to change her to be normal like him. And family, the only way that we can have a successful marriage is if we meet a need that we don't have. Right? Guys, you don't have any needs. Ladies, you don't have his needs. So instead of shaming each other, rejecting each other, not believing in each other, what makes a great marriage is two forgivers and two servants that are in love. Where we both say, I'm going to put your need before my own. So whenever we talk, we meet each other's needs because we understand that. Now my point here is, is that if communication fails at any level, it affects every other level. You understand that? And this is an area where people often do get stuck is in this area of needs. So with that as a foundation, what I actually want to speak about right now is five things that will help us to successfully communicate with our spouse. Right, you ready for this? You got your notes ready? Let's have a sip. Number one is that we need to have the right tone in our voices. I'm going to say the same thing three times, and you're going to see how every time it means something completely different. Okay, are you ready? Uh, let me think, what am I going to say? Okay, I understand, I'll do it. Second one. Okay, I understand, I'll do it. Third one. Okay, I understand, I'll do it. <laughs> First one is happy, frustrated, angry. Can we see? Completely different message that comes across. Family, tone communicates care. It's impossible to communicate with somebody who doesn't care. If I communicate with you and you care, you can make a way to understand what I'm saying. But if you don't care, you just, oh, whatever. And the tone of my voice is going to communicate whether I care or not. It kind of carries this encrypted message. Right now, I spoke about the woman needing security. Now, when a man is communicating with his, with his wife, he can say the right words with the wrong tone, and he said the wrong thing. So husbands, when you're communicating with your wife, what she needs to hear in your tone is this. You come first. You're not a burden to me. You're not a distraction to me. If I had to call through 10 miles of cut glass to meet your need, I will do it. You will not have to ask again. <laughs> now, when she hears that tone and you say to her, how can I help you, honey? <laughs> She's a happy girl. She feels secure, right? But when your tone is saying, man, what do you want? You know, you're a distraction to me. I'm busy. What I am doing or who I am with is more important to me than you are. That thing's going to go nowhere. Right, so for a man, his mega need is, what did I say? Respect, honor. So once again, ladies, we can say the right words with the wrong tone, and we said the wrong thing, and it can hurt a man very, very deeply. So what a man needs to hear in our tone is this. I'm here for you. I believe in you. You're a good man. I'm so glad I married you. You've got this. I have confidence in your decisions. Now, when he hears that, he's ready to listen. Am I right, guys? Number one thing that we need to do in communication is to ensure that our tone is right. Number two key to successful communication is we need to take enough time. 
This is an important thing, family, because sometimes we don't take enough time to communicate and our tongue can't get around all the right words because we simply don't have enough time. So we don't communicate correctly. Now I want to give you three subheadings under this. The first one is that we need to take time with proactive communication. Because I want to say this, if we do not speak about things in advance and act and discuss things proactively, we are going to end up with reactive communication, which very often can become radioactive communication, and that somebody's going to get hurt, or we're going to bury it, and it's just going to fester. So the recommendation for proactive communication is that we actually set aside three to five days in a year Get away from the kids, okay, go away, book into a hotel, go camping, go to a chalet, whatever works for you. And every single morning for those three to five days, for the morning that you just spend time praying together and discuss every area of your relationship, of your marriage. I'm going to call it a vision retreat, and I'm going to just give you a quick guideline of how this should look. Right, so we begin our vision retreat by surrendering our marriage to God completely. No one dominates the situation. And phase one is simply, where are we now? We carefully examine all areas of our responsibility, the children and the finances and how we utilize our time efficiently, our family time, our prayer time, our worship time, church time, all those things. Phase two is, where are we going? In Habakkuk 2 is 2, we all know it says, without a vision, the people perish. Let me say this, without a vision, the family, the, the household, the marriage will perish. Family, if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. Phase three is what are we going to do, right? We need to buy into that thing, otherwise nothing's going to change. Phase four is we need to crystallize our vision for the marriage, for the family, for the children. We need to discuss the needs of every child. And then finally, we need to have our next steps. We need to activate that thing. So that is an indication of the process of having a vision retreat. And we need to make sure that we write all these decisions down. So to sum up is when we finished with our vision retreat, we've talked about all these important areas of our, of our marriage. We've written it all down. We're in agreement. We've taken three to five days to do this. Let me tell you something that will transform any relationship. The testimony of a couple who did this, I mean, they were married for a while, they had five children, and by the end of this, this, this time, they actually knew exactly what God was saying about every single child. For the rest of the year, their finances, their work schedules, their spirituality, every area of their lives were completely aligned. Another couple said that they had zero conflict in their marriage for a year after having this vision retreat. So it really is an amazing time that we can just discuss these things and have the time to do this. You know, the only reason actually that we have issues is because there are areas in our marriage that we don't agree. And Amos 3 verse 3 says this, it says, can you walk together if you don't agree? And the answer is simply no. You know, because if there are areas that we're constantly disagreeing about, I mean, if, you know, I've got a vision for the children, you've got a vision for the children. I've got a vision for the finances. You've got a vision for the finances. So unless we get that thing in agreement, we're going to be fighting constantly. Now, what a vision retreat does is it kind of 
<laughs> it kind of synchronizes and aligns your headlights so you focused on the same thing. And so you walk together without fighting. Three to five days a year. And let me just remind you, you only pray and talk for half the year, right, for, of the day. You, you pray in the mornings, the rest of the day, the rest of the evening, fun time. So the second time of communication we need to take time with is personal communication, and this needs to be done every single day when there's no phone. Let me say again, no phone, no computer, no TV, no children. Face-to-face -face communication for 30 to 60 minutes, and let me just add, that's not even 10% of your waking hours that you actually sit with your spouse and talk about things that need to be discussed without any distractions. Now, our case study, let me go back there. Many times, this young bride would ask him just to talk with her, but he, he wouldn't. He would not meet that need because she was nosy, and he was not going to feed the nosy monster. And after God had ministered to him, he phoned her one day and he said, I'm going to come home tonight. I want us to have some quality time with the children, and then um, we can put them to bed, and then we can talk for as long as you like about anything that you want to talk about. And he put the phone down and he thought, I am the greatest man that ever lived in the whole history of mankind. And tomorrow they're going to find me dead with my brain sucked out. <laughs> Anyhow, he came home, spent time with the children, kind of sat <laughs> face to face. He didn't know what to expect. He was pretty nervous. And it kind of started off fine. And then she started asking questions about his childhood. And he started sharing these things that he'd never spoken about before. And she kind of looked at him and said, no wonder you're so messed up. <laughs> and he was like, well, thanks. And then she carried on telling him, you know, just about that's the reason that he reacts because that's how he would have felt. And he was like, really? You know, I know a friend of mine says, you know, I knew I married Mrs. Wright. I just didn't know her first name was always. So... <laughs> But what he did discover is in his quiet time, family, all these memories, all these feelings just started coming back. And he realized that he was so devastated by all these things that he just didn't know how to deal with it. And speaking to his wife, he actually got emotional healing. You know, ladies, they say men come emotionally unassembled and it's speaking to their wives that they get wired up correctly. So... <laughs> <laughs> the third kind of communication that takes time and relax. This is only five, three to five minutes a day. And let me tell you, this will even bring a dead marriage back to life when you just tell each other how much you love each other. It's just affection and love and having fun together and, and just really having intimate time together to discuss those things. Family, we need to do that. You know, you can never tell somebody you love them too many times. So that, as I said, will really resurrect even a dead marriage. So let's go back. Number one is that our tone is critical. Secondly, we need to have enough time. And now number three is that we need to have an atmosphere of trust. Trust is a key ingredient that allows us really to open our hearts to each other, family, but we've got to build an atmosphere of trust. The kind of nature that destroys trust completely as a husband or a wife, who may be a person that's just very dominant, that's chauvinistic, that's very selfish, maybe putting other things, sport and other activities first, maybe a, a workaholic, 
Somebody that's very harsh with their words, you know, never taking responsibility for their actions. I mean, just imagine that you get to a point where your spouse is ready to walk out that door and they say to you, it is your mouth that has devastated me. I want to have a look at Genesis 2 and verse 24. We love reading the scripture at, in, in, at uh, weddings, right? If you want to turn in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, but they were not ashamed. Now, I want you to see in the scripture, there's four laws of marriage, family. And number one is the law of priority, right? It says, for this cause, a man shall leave his, his father and mother for the sake of marriage. And it's time that we prioritize marriage again as being our number one relationship, obviously other than Jesus on this earth. It has to be a number one priority. It only works in first place, no other place. So the second one, second law is for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and, be, and cleave to his wife. And this word cleave, it means to work with all your energy. It's an energetic word because marriage doesn't just work. We have to work at it. We have to pursue each other. Number three is the law of partnership. It says that the two shall become one. And let's understand before the fall, there's no record of Adam lording over Eve or Eve lording over, over Adam. Marriage is about sharing as equal partners, right? No one must dominate each other. The fourth is the law of purity. It says the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. Adam and Eve were both naked until the fall. It was only after they sinned that they had to hide themselves. Marriage only works in an area of purity. See, many of us have actually broken those laws and it only takes a decision to make it right. Now, I wanna give you three phrases that we need to embrace, and this is very deep, so you need to really pay attention. I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me. Amen. You may find suddenly your spouse sharing something with you very personal, very, very private, very intimate, because finally there was an area of trust. I mean, imagine thinking, I didn't even know this person that I'm married to because they finally opened up because of this area of trust. So number four key to successful communication is the truth spoken in love. And here we're talking about conflict resolution. And Ephesians 4 verse 15, it says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we grow to become in every respect a mature, a mature body of him who is the head, and that is Christ. But we have to speak the truth in love to be able to resolve conflicts and also to communicate sincerely with each other. In John 1 and verse 14, it says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. So grace and truth have to go together. And truth without grace can be mean. We can destroy a person by telling them the truth without any love. And grace without truth is meaningless, but grace and truth together are medicine. I want to just give you two points of how we can create a safe atmosphere for conflict resolution. And the first thing, family, is to allow our spouse to complain or open up and speak 
without paying a price. There's a men's conference where the pastor stood up and he said, I want you to go home and say to your wife, I would like you to tell me what's wrong with me and I won't defend myself. I think every man there thought, what a dumb thing to say. <laughs> but I can tell you, when you've got a couple sitting in front of you coming for marriage counseling and they're too terrified to speak the truth of how they're feeling, then we understand how important this is. You see, when we can just get past that, it's almost like we can come up with a code language which simply says something like, are you okay? And you know what, are you okay, what that means? It means I will do anything in my power to make things right in your life because you come first. There's no one else before you. And all you have to do is say that something's wrong and that becomes the number one thing on my agenda to make it right. There's no fear of hearing what the other person has to say because how do you know that you're a good husband if your wife doesn't tell you? How do you know you're a good wife if your husband doesn't tell you? We wanna be happy. You know, so if we can just allow each other to to say what we're feeling without there being a rebuff. And that could be denial, justification, excuses, you know, all of blame. Just take that energy to make it right. And the second point is, is that we create an atmosphere where we can allow each other to complain and not criticize. The difference is this, let me give you an example. That, um, let's say I'm gonna complain. I say, well, you know, when we were, I'm in the kitchen this morning, you, you kind of said something and I just feel uncomfortable because I feel like maybe what we discussed yesterday has not been resolved and maybe you were just trying to get back at me. Can we just discuss this, right? Criticism goes, when we were in the kitchen this morning, I know what you were trying to do. You're just evil like your mother, and I know what you were trying to do. You're trying to pay me back because of what happened yesterday. And the judge and the jury are out, and you are guilty. And if you confess, we'll go easy on you. <laughs> Guns are blazing. That's criticism, right? I'm telling you exactly how you feel, man. There's no place to discuss or resolve. So we're going to give each other the right to complain, right? We're not going to agree with everything, but it's open for discussion. Last one, number five key to effective communication is that we are to have a team spirit. Family, we are different by God's design. We need to understand that. And the surest way to try and, you know, to try and cause a problem is to try and change something that we can't change. We are different, and let's celebrate that. And the one area that most people are very different in is the way we look at money, okay? So... <laughs> This is very often a radioactive issue. Even, even folks that have got a good marriage really battle to talk about money. So I want to just, there's an article written by a man by the name of Kenneth Doyle, and he is a financial psychologist in the, in the university in Minnesota, and he says this. He says there's actually four money languages, right? Four different ways that we look at marriage. And the first one is a driver. Money means success to a driver. Then there's the amiable. Money means love to, to an amiable. Then there is the um, analytic. Money means security. There's the expressive. Money means acceptance. Now, when you've got two that are completely different, right? You may have the amiable, and he just wants money to be love, that we're going to spend money on things. And then you've got the analytic that says, how are we going to pay for these things? And he calls her stingy, and she calls him a spendthrift. And, and there's just huge area and issues that come between them. One husband said to his wife, he says, you know what, you're gonna die one day and you're gonna have a whole mattress full of money and no one's gonna like you. 
And she said, well, at least I have a mattress. Now, family, we can discuss a lot of these things with our proactive discussions, even if it means we need to get in some financial advice. All of those things can be resolved with proactive communication. But, you know, that's where we focus on the goal, that we, we, we don't despise one another's feelings, but rather put them together. And if we do that, yes, you know, like the Amy will say, let's take the whole family on holiday, let's have a great celebration, and Alitic will say, well, how are we going to pay for it? Well, let's save for it. Then we're both happy and we're in a good place. Amen? You know, they, we've spoken about it before where you have a saver and a spender. One makes the marriage safe, the other one makes it fun. But we're a team. And we need to celebrate our differences, family. You know, you can't, if you've got a football ga- game and you just had goalies on the field, it's not going to work. So we celebrate our differences. And the sooner that we realize that we are better because we are different, the happier that we will be. And actually, even with the money languages, it's actually better that we are different because each of them have a weakness and that balances it out. We are different by God's design. And the more we celebrate that, the more we can communicate effectively. I'd like to just sum up. Number one, we need to have the right tone when we're communicating with each other. That is critical. Number two, we need to commit enough time to communication annually as well as daily. Number three, we need to create an atmosphere of trust. Ask yourself, have I broken any of the the laws of marriage? Have I violated my spouse's trust? Number four, we need to speak the truth in love. Have you given your spouse the right to complain? And do we complain or do we criticize? And then we need to celebrate team spirit. We are different, and let's celebrate that. Amen, everybody? Could I just pray for you? Father God, we just want to thank you for this time together. Thank you for this wonderful, wonderful communication, this wonderful relationship that you have given us of marriage, which is a type and shadow of the relationship that we have with you. It is a covenant relationship. And Father, tonight I want to pray Firstly, for those people who are here tonight, maybe that are still single, that are really believing you, Lord, for the right spouse. And Father, we trust in you even right now that you would bring the right person to them, Father. And Father, I want to pray for every marriage that's present here tonight and those that are online, those in the other venues. I want to thank you, my Father God, that you would forgive us for all the negative words that may have come out of our mouths where we've spoken death into each other's lives into our marriage. Come against that in the name of Jesus. And I ask you right now, Father, that you would bring healing. And Father, we ask you that you would put a guard at our lips, that we would think about what it is that we're speaking, that we would understand one another's needs and speak into those and speak life into our families, into our homes, into our marriages. Thank you, Father God, that right now we also come against the spirit of divorce. And Father, we speak life into into the marriages of of our couples. We we speak life, Father God, and thank you, Lord, that we have happy, solid marriages that people would look at us and know this is a godly institution. It is what you have based nations on, good marriages. In the mighty name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Amen. Family, I just want to Thank you. Just give him praise. Give him praise. Thank you, Father.
just want to encourage you, you know, marriage is such a complex subject. And we have many freedom groups that really minister specifically into these areas, irrespective of whether you're planning to get married or whether you're having a rough marriage or if you just want to celebrate the, 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 the marriage that you have. And I want to encourage you directly after the service, we have our group leaders that will be right outside across from the Welcome Center. And if there's anything that you would like maybe to be involved in any of those curriculums, they are really good. I know because I taught one of them. I'm just joking. But, but I really, really encourage you to, to be a part of that. It will really grow your marriage. Amen? Right now, could I just ask you just to bow your heads for a moment, just close your eyes. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for every person that's here today. If you're here today, maybe, maybe you're kind of questioning in your heart. We speak about this covenant of marriage being a top and shadow of the covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. But that only begins when Jesus becomes our Lord and Savior. And perhaps you've never invited him to be part of your life. Maybe you've never invited him to be in your life. And as Pastor said this morning, it's not enough that he's our Savior. He needs to be our Lord and our Savior. So tonight, I really want to invite you. I'd like to just pray with you. If you've never done that, it's a simple prayer. And not only will you know that you know that you know that you are born again, the most amazing thing is, is that God says that he will make you his own child. And more than that, that he makes a place in heaven that we will live with him for all of eternity. Perhaps you're here tonight and you say, you know what, I'm listening to this and, and I know that maybe my relationship in my marriage isn't what it should be, but my relationship with God is also not what it should be. And maybe I feel a bit like that sanctified jerk tonight. And I just want to make right with God and I want to make right with my wife or my husband. And if that's you tonight and you'd like to be a part of this prayer, I would love to just pray with you. So I want to just ask you in a moment, I'm going to count to three and just ask you to raise your hand if you would in a moment, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you want to return to God, if you just feel your life is not right with the Lord, or if you want to be sure you've got a place in heaven, would you just raise your hand right there where you are, one, two, three. If you're online, you can just raise your hand up right there where you are as well. In other venues, just raise up your hand. The Lord will see that. I see hands going up. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to know, family, this is a time that your heart just feels like it's going to beat right out of your chest because there's a fight for your soul. The devil doesn't want to give you up easily. There's a fight for your soul. So I'm going to just give you another moment. Just raise your hand up real high. We're just going to say a prayer. It's never going to be easier than right now. Thank you for those hands. I'd like to ask everybody if you would just pray with me right now, if you would just say this. Jesus, thank you for giving your life so that I can be forgiven, so that I can be healed, so that I can be free, and so that I can become a child of God. And right now, I receive your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you rose again. And right now, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. And I forgive everybody that's ever hurt me. 
in Jesus' name. I am now a child of God. Amen. Amen. Come on, just let's give God some praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.